Welcome to the Angry Degenerate Podcast. I am your Angry Degenerate, Michael Alexandre. I'm going to start off this podcast, episode three. We're going to be talking about the NFC East, which, by the way, if it's called the NFC East, why the fuck are the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East? Can somebody please tell me if Dallas, Texas is in the East? Because I sure as hell am looking at the map. Don't look like it. We'll be discussing the NFC East today. My thoughts, my predictions. We'll go through all four teams. Suffice to say, folks, the Eagles ain't it. They will be the clear last place team in the division. Now... Because this division is so fucked up, I have no idea if the Cowboys, the Giants, or the Redskins, if any of those three teams will win the division because I could see any of them winning it. Each of them are not very strong teams. They bo- All three of them have very big deficiencies. Cowboys in defense, Redskins... Uh, Sorry, sorry folks, it's not the Redskins. The football team. Is Fitzpatrick going to be the answer there? I would say lean towards no as of today. And then the Giants, they stacked up on offense. They have a stacked defense. But their offensive line and Daniel Jones, I think, will hinder them. Now the Eagles, we already know... (laughs) What happened this offseason? No Carson Wentz. They fired their head coach, Doug Peterson, who just won them a Super Bowl a few years back. That organization is in full disarray. They have Jalen Hurts in there. I think they're going to be one of the worst football teams in the NFL this year. So kudos to the Cowboys. Kudos to the football team. Kudos to the New York football giants because they're going to beat up on that team all year. I think, at least. Now, going back to last week, I had my gambling picks of the week. Well, I failed you guys last week. Manchester City did not come through. They lost one nothing to the, def- the champs, Chelsea. So I uh, failed you guys on that one. 3-0 the first week. 0-1 the second week. I got two picks for you at the end of the podcast. Listen in at the end. Um, But let's get right down to it. Let's talk about the Cowboys. I know, America's team. Quite possibly one of the most annoying franchises I'm talking about fans. I'm talking about their fans in professional sports. I mean, if you think about Cowboys fans and Raider fans, to me, they all jumble up together. They're the same shit to me, man. It's two fan bases that are delusional. Two fan bases that haven't won anything in a very long time. Two fan bases that haven't been competitive I'm talking about competitive in a very long time. Two fan bases that haven't been to a Super Bowl in over 25 years. But yet they talk and they talk and they talk as if their team is fucking going to be good every single year. History always repeats itself, folks. And if history repeats itself again this year, It's going to be another subpar season for both of those franchises. AFC West preview coming down the line. Sorry, I went on a tangent against the Raiders. We're going to talk about the Cowboys now. Uh, The Cowboys is really a tale of two different teams, if you really think about it. It's defense versus offense. (laughs) Last year, the Cowboys were a very fun team to watch I'm gonna say fun not good because they were fun because they could put up at least when Dak was in there 40 points a game if they really wanted to but they gave up like 30 40 points a game obviously I'm 
joking a bit. They didn't score 40 points every game. They didn't give up 40, uh, 40 points every game. But the Cowboys had the worst defense ever in Cowboys history last year. They had the most points ever given up in their franchise history and second most yards ever given up. And what do they do to solve that? They brought in good old boy from ATL, Legion of Boom, founder. He's not the founder. That was Gus Bradley. But Cowboy fans will tell you that because they really don't know shit. Uh, DC and Dan Quinn. And I don't know if you guys watched the Atlanta Falcons last year. Dan Quinn ran that defense. And I just had a podcast last week where I discussed that the Atlanta Falcons defense was abhorrent, was terrible, was pathetic. Guess who ran it, folks? Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is now the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. Now, you might say, well, they needed to make a change. And I absolutely agree. Mike Nolan was not and has not ever been a good defensive coordinator. Look at his track record. I remember him in San Francisco. Very talented defensive teams was able to get shit out of them. Now he brings in this new concept last year along with Mike McCarthy. They don't have a full off, se- a full off season to implement it. And of course it was a freaking disaster. Sean Lee retired. They had a couple of players on the on the defense uh, retire this, this offseason. Um, I didn't really see any significant upgrades on defense outside of, you know, maybe Dan Quinn's an upgrade. I would say so over Mike Nolan. But I look at his defenses in Atlanta, they were putrid. They got Keanu Neal from Atlanta for on a, I think it was like a one-year, $5 million deal. Dude was heavily criticized in Atlanta. Quinn obviously likes him. Let's see what happens. They obviously drafted Parsons. I think he's going to be fantastic for them. And I, I'm i going to give the Cowboys front office kudos here. And I, and I rarely ever do that. Because they decided, they knew that they were going to draft a, defend, a, a defender. Possibly Parsons, right? So they were at number 10. And they decided to trade back to number 12 to draft Micah Parsons. That's a good fucking piece of business, man. Because they traded down. They acquired more picks. They got the number 84 pick from Philly. And that's how you do things in the NFL. That's what winning franchises do. They trade down. Acquire more picks. Acquire more cheap talent. Cheap labor, folks. In the Just like in life. How you run a business and make profit, as shitty as it sounds, because I know there's a lot of people out there that are not skimming by because some of these businesses are not paying them enough. But the way to make it in business is you have to make profit. And if you're going to pay a player less than what you would pay a veteran guy, so we're talking about rookie versus veterans, rookies all day, you see all these teams who are successful in the NFL, it's because they draft well. It's because they negotiate contracts well. It's because they know their way around the salary cap structure. Anytime you draft somebody first round, they're paying they're they're getting paid peanuts for five years, which makes it easier to build around a team. So the Cowboys trading back, knowing that they were going to get a defensive player. Fantastic piece of business. I wish more teams would do that. I know another team that would have done that. We'll get to that in the AFC West preview. Um, but yes, the big elephant in the room, Dak Prescott, had an ACL injury last year. It was a uh, terrible injury last year. I, actually, I can't remember if it was an ACL or a broken ankle. Forgive me, folks. I have a fucking goldfish brain here I forget things and I'm doing this podcast live so um but yes he is the elephant in the room because he got paid 
like he got paid the second biggest contract, I believe, for quarterbacks behind Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to get paid 30, 40 million a year. Is he really? I mean, if you look at the contract, he's getting paid like he's top two. Certainly ain't top two. Is he a top five quarterback? Is he a top 10? I think you can pencil him into the latter part of top 10. But he certainly isn't top five. Because you look at the top five here, and this is my top five. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Tom Brady. You got Rodgers. You got Wilson. You have Allen. That right there is five. Now... Do I think Deshaun Watson's better than him? Yes. Will Deshaun Watson play this year? Or play ever again? I don't know. But let's say Watson does play. He for sure would be 5 or 6 in that category. Which leaves... Dakota Prescott next in line here. I think he's either in the... He's in the 7 to 10 range. Uh, You have... Dak, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray can make a case, Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, which I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. After that top five, top six, I think any of those guys, you can make a case that they go 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Now, since this is my podcast, and I like to say some dumb shit, I think Dakota probably pencils in right behind Watson. He's probably the number seven quarterback in the NFL, which is not bad. Obviously, the Cowboys had to overpay him, which they did. Uh, Bad piece of business. I just complimented the Cowboys. On their amazing piece of business for trading down. Now I'm going to shit on them. Because they should have signed Dak Prescott two years ago. They would have saved a shit ton of money. They didn't. They decided to play the franchise tag game. Then he got injured. But Jerry Jones has said in the past. He's willing to overpay as long as it makes sense. It will. He for sure needed an overpay because they need a damn quarterback. You saw what that Cowboys team was like without Dak. They had Andy Dalton. You had Benny DiNucci, the pizza man. Where even Jerry Jones went on the fucking radio and shit on his own player. It was <laughs> it was insanely funny. But yes, without Dak in the lineup last year, the offense looked completely different. Even despite the fact that they had Zeke. They had Tony Pollard. They had Cooper. They had Lamb. They had Gallup. Just those names in that offense? Wow. You add Dak back into this thing this year? I don't see how this offense is not going to be unstoppable. Well, let me get to it in a second. But what will stop the offensive line from the the offense from being the offense the, the offense that we know would be the offensive line. They have some injury concerns. They have Tyron Smith. They have Collins. They need to stay on the field. Um, Because they were so injured last year, they struggled. According to PFF, they were ranked 22 and 25 respectively at their positions of tackle. There's 32 teams in the league, folks. That's not very fucking good. Um, Zach Martin as well. Um... If this offensive offensive line can stay healthy, uh, I think the Cowboys will be fine on offense. Now, will their defense be fine? I think we saw... I think we know all we need to know about Dan Quinn. Um, he's going to bring a new philosophy to the defense. But outside of Parsons and signing Neal, they didn't really do any much to solidify that defense. Few players retired. Van Der Esch, we'll see what happens with him. 
but I don't think they did enough on defense. Like I said last week in the podcast regarding Atlanta, what's the point of putting up 50 points, 40 points, if you're just going to give up more? And that might happen. Now, do I think it'll happen? I, I do think if you get a marginally better defense last year, I'm talking about their defense was ranked damn near the bottom in every category. If they upgrade themselves to maybe 20th in the NFL and their offensive line stays healthy, the Cowboys will be a playoff team. They will win that division. They just have too much firepower on offense to not win that division. That's if those things go according to plan. If they finish around 20th in defense, if they're if nobody gets hurt on offense, even if Zeke goes down, you have Pollard there. Hopefully Dak Prescott comes back from an ACL injury from his injury and it's good as new. I already see him training. Re- players recover differently nowadays. This isn't the 19 fucking 70s, 80s, even 90s. Um Looking at Vegas and what DraftKings has here, they're favoring the Cowboys at plus 125 to win the division. Uh, And I don't think you can really argue against that. Maybe the Washington football team can argue against that. Um, But I think Vegas sees a fully healthy offense. They see a new defensive coordinator, and they say, okay, if they stay healthy, the Cowboys will be a postseason team again. Now, let me go back to something that I said earlier. I said it a little bit incorrectly. Cowboys, I guess, did address their defense. They did draft eight of their 11 players in the draft were on the def- defensive side of the ball. Uh, so eight players, new additions, plus DC Dan Quinn, plus Keanu Neal. We shall see. Like I said, if they can get into the realm of 20th, 1918 in the NFL in terms of defense, I mean, I don't see why this team wouldn't make the postseason. Uh, so the odds to win the NFC East, you have the Cowboys at plus 125. To win the Super Bowl, the Cowboys are the 12th highest at plus 2,800. Hey, if you got money in your pocket, Maybe put five bucks on it. You never know. Chances are they won't because we've seen the Cowboys for the past 25 years. It's just a dysfunctional organization. You could blame your owner for that. But they're ahead of teams like the Saints, Steelers, Titans, and the football team in terms of chances to win the Super Bowl. Uh, That's pretty, pretty decent, pretty impressive. I think it might be... I think it might be just a lot of Cowboys fans betting on their team. Um, But those are the odds. Now, as I go through the schedule, because that's what we do on this show, we go through the schedule live. I don't look at the schedule beforehand. Maybe I should. But we have the Cowboys starting off the season at Tampa Bay. That for sure, for me, is a loss. Uh, you have them at Los Angeles with Justin Herbert. As we mentioned, we don't think their defense is going to be that great. I'm going to pencil them in as a loss there as well. Then they play at home against Philadelphia. That's a W. At home against Carolina. That's a W. At home against the New York football giants. That's a W. At New England. That's a loss. Anytime you travel to the East Coast like that, bad recipe. Then they go on a bye week, week seven. They're three and three at the bye, according to my permutations, on June 4th of 2021. Then they go to at Minnesota. Tough place to play. I'm going to say L. Uh, Home against Denver. That's a W. I don't know what the fuck is going on in Denver with that quarterback situation. Their defense will be good, though. Uh, Then they play at home against Atlanta. That's a W. At Kansas City, surefire loss. Uh, At home against the Raiders. 
That's a W. At New Orleans, that's a tough game to pick because it's at New Orleans. Um, it's a primetime game. It's a December game. It's in a dome. Those fans are going to be raging. I am going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say loss for the Cowboys. At Washington football team, that's a loss. At New York Giants, W. Come at, at home against Washington football team. W against Arizona at home W and then they finish off the season at Philadelphia with a W I have them finishing the season with four straight wins folks now let's go through how many wins I got them at we got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten we have the Cowboys at about ten and seven which is probably within range to be honest, um, if I'm looking at this schedule here, I could see them possibly beating Minnesota at Minnesota. I could possibly see them uh, beating Washington at Washington. I could possibly see them beating the Saints just because we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be like. Conversely, I can also see them losing against Arizona. Cowboys sometimes have these games where they just shit the bed. That could be one of the games. Um, I could see them losing at home against the football team. Uh, I could even see them... No, I can't see them losing to Denver. No, I cannot see that. I could see them beating the the, uh, Chargers just because the Chargers always are going to Charger every year. Every different head coach. It seems like they always have issues in that locker room. Or it seems like they always have game management issues. Um... But just looking at the schedule, man, their schedule's not completely hard here. I got them at a solid ten and seven. That's not bad. I think that'll. I think the division they won the division. Uh, the football team won the division with seven wins last year. I think if you get to the ten win threshold here, I think you're absolutely gonna win the division. So I could see the Cowboys winning anywhere between nine, eight, nine, ten wins. I think ten. I think I'm overrating them a little bit. I think they have ten here. I have them at ten, but. Certainly speaking, they could win less. I don't think they would win a lot more than 10. So I think 10 is a very good number. Now moving on. Discussing the football team. Now, the Washington football team, odds are, according to DraftKings, to win the NFC East is plus 260. DraftKings envisions them finishing in second. Uh, the football team is plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl, which is the 22nd most likely team to win the Super Bowl. I think they're underrating the football team a little bit. I think that defense is so good, and I think they're going to be improved even a little bit on offense. Um, so if you have a little, some pennies to put, throw around there, maybe put 5 bucks, maybe put 10 bucks, maybe put 15 bucks, maybe put 100 bucks on it. Not my recommendation, but if you got some, you know, pennies laying around, why not? Uh, football team led by Ron Rivera, offensive coordinator Scott Turner, Norv Turner's son, and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, former Raiders head coach. Um, Del Rio's uh, doing well with that defense. Um that team in 2020 came over, had several controversies. They had the name change controversy, which they landed on the football team, which I'm kind of okay with. Hopefully they keep it. Hopefully they don't call it something stupid like the Capitals or I, the National. I mean, there's just some st- very stupid names out there for sports teams. The Washington Wizards. Jesus Christ. Regardless, uh, they went through the name change controversy. Alex Smith coming back. And then their head coach, Ron Rivera, had cancer last year. Those are three big things that would have otherwise destroyed an organization, but this organization is being led by Ron Rivera and Del Rio at defensive coordinator. Those are two, you know, football guys, as they like to say. So they kept the locker room in order, man. That defense led by Chase Young was very impressive. Um, their pro their problem last year 
obviously, if you watched any moments of the Washington football team, was their quarterback situation. They went from Dwayne Haskins, who they cut mid, mid-year and now is a backup quarterback with, behind Big Ben. They went to Kyle Allen, who Ron Rivera got him from Carolina and seems to have a hard-on for him. I remember watching Kyle Allen against the 49ers here at Levi Stadium in 2019, and we blew the brakes off of them. Kyle Allen got injured. Then they were forced to put in Alex Smith, who, statistically speaking, did not play well. I think it was something like six touchdowns, eight interceptions. But he went 5-1, and one, primarily, obviously, the defense. But Alex Smith just doesn't make mistakes. Uh, he just also very risk-adverse, doesn't also, you know, throw deep, uh, doesn't doesn't throw for many touchdown passes, tailing back to his 49er years, even his Kansas City years. I think Kansas, I think he topped out at maybe 25, 26, maybe 27 touchdowns at one point in time in his career. I don't think he's ever thrown over 30. But regardless of the point, this Alex Smith that we saw in 2020 was a shell of his former self. Not because of himself. That injury, man. Anybody who's seen that ESPN documentary, the guy almost lost his life. The guy almost lost his leg. The guy almost never played football again, and now he's obviously officially retired. Made a lot of money in the NFL. I have a lot of respect for Alex Smith. I think he'd make a great football coach if he ever wants to delve into that. Um, But man, what a situation that was. Uh, A carousel at quarterback. Um... Their defense obviously led by Chase Young. Um, I don't think there's anything more to say about that. Uh, Their defense is pretty impressive. They have John Bostic, uh, Montez Sweat. They added uh, Jameen Davis at linebacker. I think that was their first round pick. Um, Defense only gave up 305 yards per game last year, which was second in the league. Think about that, folks. 305 yards a game. Quarterbacks nowadays throw for 350 yards in their fucking sleep, and they give up 305 yards total per game. Their defense is stacked, and their defense might have even gotten better with the addition of of uh, of uh, Davis here at linebacker. Now, where I think that they actually did improve is their offense. Ask anybody. I mean, we don't know what kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick we're going to get here. Because it could be Ryan Fitzpatrick from last year, the late-ending reliever that came in in place of Tua and saved the, uh, the and damn near nearly got the Miami Dolphins to the playoffs. Um, are we going to see the Fitz, or are we going to see the Fitz that turns over the ball a significant amount? He's a gunslinger. It's not safe in the pocket. Gets sacked a lot. Doesn't have the pocket awareness. I mean, the guy's been in the league for many years now. I think he's been at seven or eight teams. Never made a Pro Bowl, I believe. Um, never been to the playoffs, I believe, as well. But I think we can obviously say that Fitzpatrick is going to be better than that that quarterback room that was there last year. Uh, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. It just kind of depends on... Which Fitzpatrick are we going to get, and how much better is he going to is he going to be than than uh, those quarterbacks that were there last year? They obviously won the division last year with seven wins. I think the Cowboys are going to push them for that seven. You know, obviously I have the Cowboys at ten wins. So uh, their offense, I think they significantly improved. Obviously with quarterback Fitz, they still have. McLaurin in there at wide receiver. They overpaid for Curtis Samuel, but I still think it was a great addition because the dude is like a Swiss Army knife. He can run out of the backfield. He catches the ball well, and you add him with McLaurin, and then they just added Adam Humphreys in the little slot role. They still have Gibson at running back. McKissick can spell him. Their tight end is Logan Thomas. They're pretty stacked on offense, folks. I mean, it's not the most stacked offense. They're not the Cowboys, but they can measure up with them. They can put some points on the board. And I think 
Is their offense as good as the Cowboys? No. Is their defense better than the Cowboys? By a million miles. Now, just because their defense is better by a million miles and their offense is maybe marginally worse by a margin, a little small margin, if you look at the schedule, their schedule might be tougher. Let me remind you, folks, I only look at the schedule right as I'm doing this with you. So these are things that come up right off my head. Um, I think one thing that may have gotten worse, perhaps, is their offensive line, which is not good for Fitzpatrick. We always got to think about the offensive line. If your offense is good and your defense is good, how about the offensive line, which is going to keep your quarterback upright, a quarterback that often has trouble in the pocket, a quarterback that often makes dumb mistakes when being pressured. That is Ryan Fitzpatrick's M.O., folks. So what happened with their... They just let go of their longtime tackle. They let him go. They traded him, I believe. Uh, He had a long career with the Redskins. uh, Morgan Moses, their right tackle. Um, They drafted an offensive tackle in the second round, presumably to replace him. We know how those things kind of work. That pick could hit. Or that pick can be a spectacular fail. We just don't know with these draft picks. Um, they signed they signed Charles Leno from uh, Bear from the Bears, and I did a little bit of digging on Charles Leno. Chicago Bears fans hated that man. So much hate on the interwebs for Charles Leno. Um, their offensive line was ranked number 6 in 2020. Obviously, I know that they had a little bit of cap problems. But we know nowadays, if you have a cap specialist, they maneuver these contracts like no tomorrow. So, my thing is, if the offensive line wasn't broken, why, if it ain't broken, why, why fix it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it is the term I guess I'm trying to look for. Um... So that's a little bit concerning. But I think for the most part, their offseason went pretty well. They stayed consistent on defense. They got better on offense. And I think they're right in the wheelhouse. I don't think if anybody told you, hey, the Washington football team is going to win the division, they can make a case for that. It's not like somebody telling you the Eagles are going to win the division. The Eagles are screwed. Washington football team, they got a chance. And that's because it's going to be three teams fighting it out here in the NFC East. And let's go to the schedule breakdown. Schedule breakdown here. We got Washington at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to say that that is a W, folks. Then they play at home against the New York Giants. That's a W. At Buffalo, that's a loss. Uh, At Atlanta, to the Deep Dirty South, and October 3rd, to that Dome. Picking the upset, folks. I got the Atlanta Falcons winning that game. L, 2-2. Then they go to New Orleans. uh, At home against New Orleans. Uh, I'm going to say they beat New Orleans at home. Up in Washington. Then they play at home against Kansas City. Loss. At Green Bay. Loss. At Denver in October. Hmm. I'm going to pick the upset here. I'm going to pick Teddy Bridgewater uh, with the Denver Broncos at home to beat the Washington football team. I think it'll be a, a defensive battle as those two teams will be very tough defensively. So that's an L. And then they got the bye week. Then they go to uh, at home against Tampa Bay. That's an L. I think they go to Carolina and beat them. W. Then they go at home against Seattle. Mm, Seattle away from home on the East Coast? Upset. Washington football team to beat them. Then they go to at Vegas. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'll go with W against the Raiders. At home against the Cowboys, W. At Philadelphia, W. At home against Dallas, 
L at Dallas, sorry. Then you got against at home against Philadelphia. That's a W. And then at New York Giants, I'm gonna say a L. I'm gonna say they cap they lose against the New York Giants on the last season, on the last game. So what do I got them at here, folks? I got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine wins for the Washington football team. That's a nine and eight record. This is a close division, folks. Nine and eight. Now, of course, if you look at the schedule, you know, there's a lot of toss-ups here. Um Can they beat at beat Atlanta at Atlanta? I think so. That could be a possibility. Uh I could also convert I have them as a W against New Orleans. I can conversely see them losing in New Orleans. Um, I don't see them beating Kansas City or Green Bay. No shot in hell. At Denver, I can see them beating Denver. Um, I have them as a loss there. Um, I could see them losing to Seattle. I have them as a W. I could see them losing to the Raiders. I have them as a W. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of like toss-up matchups here, but because I got a name to uphold, I'm going with nine and eight. Which means I'm very consistent right now. They are going to be second in the division. Me and Vegas, right in lockstep. I just wish it was like that for gambling. (laughs) All right, let's move on here to the New York football giants. Uh, So they look good defensively. I'm just going to start off with that. They look very good defensively. They look good Offensively, their offensive weapons, at least. But is Daniel Jones going to make things happen? Is he going to fulfill that draft pick? They sure as hell did enough this offseason to try to make sure that if he fails, it's not because of the offensive pieces that they overpaid for. It's because he just isn't a damn good quarterback. Um, Their offensive line has issues. Offensive line... Plus a quarterback who is turnover prone. I feel like we just said that about Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's a recipe that could could be a recipe for disaster. Now, if you look at here, DraftKings has them at plus 350 to win the NFC East, third in the division. They are the 24th favored team to win the Super Bowl at plus 6,600. For those of you that don't know, that means if you put 100 bucks on this and they win the Super Bowl, that's $6,600 in your pocket. Like I said, if you got some pennies, might want to put it down. Um, so t- talking about their defense, they re-signed Leonard Williams, who they traded for midseason from the New York Jets. Uh, another trade that makes the New York Jets just look like a pathetic franchise. The guy left the Jets, went to the Giants, and was an absolute animal monster for them on that defensive line. Um, but I think that they also signed um, that cornerback from uh, Tennessee, who they released to a big contract. His name is passing me at the moment, Dory Jackson. There you go. Uh, so they got a Dory Jackson to compliment their corner, the their Pro Bowl cornerback James Bradbury. So they got a decent tandem there. They re-signed Leonard Williams. They're keeping their defensive pieces in play. They were already very good defensively last year. They added some pieces this offseason. Not too bad. If you look at their offense, they got better on offense. They re-signed Kenny Galladay to a massive deal. A massive deal. He got paid fat. I remember criticizing that deal. But I get it. Gettleman, who's their GM, has to win or else his job is done. He's going to be fired. He will be fired because he drafted Daniel Jones. Uh, I think he also hired Joe Judge, which is their head coach. But I think he also hired Pat Shermer. So he already failed with one head coach. And he might fail with the number one his number one quarterback that he drafted. Not a good track record here. Um, but their offseason littered with just like signing massive deals. And when you see a team sign 
massive deals to these players, they're in desperation mode. That's what New England did this year. They're desperate. Gettleman is desperate. He knows he if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, he doesn't live another season. So they signed Kenny Galladay to a massive deal. They already had Darius Slayton. They already had Evan Ingram. They added Kyle Rudolph to another tight end from Minnesota, another pass catcher. They already had Sterling Shepard as well at wide receiver. And they also have Saquon Barkley coming off of uh, an ACL. They also drafted a wide receiver with the 20th pick with Kadarius Toney. They also signed John Ross, which if they can get anything out of John Ross, that would be fantastic. Uh, the guy has talent, came from the University of Washington, has flamed out. I believe he was a first-round pick, just hasn't worked out, didn't work out in Cincinnati. But what the fuck works out in Cincinnati? Almost nothing. Look at that team. It's pathetic. Um, Galladay signed a four-year, $72 million deal. Uh, Dory Jackson signed a three-year, $39 million deal. Um, I think suffice to say, I think their defense injury pending is going to be great. I think their wide receiver core looks fucking fantastic. Their tight ends, if you look at their tight ends, Ingram and Rudolph, I don't think you could find a better pair in the league. Uh, Saquon's coming back so their offense is stacked now the problem here lies at the quarterback position Daniel Jones regressed as a second year quarterback or th- sec- I believe he's in his second year um, you don't want your quarterback to regress and it's not like he didn't have talented pieces on offense to throw to he just had he had a shitty offensive line, which they did absolutely almost nothing to reinforce this offseason. They re-signed Nate Solder, which is fine. Uh, but their offensive line last year was ranked dead last in pass blocking efficiency and mid-tier in run blocking. They didn't do much to improve their offensive line. Daniel Jones doesn't protect the football. He doesn't protect the football. And that combined with a bad offensive line that is bad at pass blocking, that's not a good recipe for success. Um, And by the way, Jason Garrett's their OC. That man might be the most boring man in football. I mean, you know what he's going to run. He likes to pound the rock. And he also likes to do those seven-step drops to give his quarterback enough time. Um... It's, I, I I really think, just by the eye test, Daniel Jones doesn't look like the guy, but they gave him enough offensive weapons this year where if he goes back to his 2019 form, perhaps, and, and of course, and if the defense continues to play the way, the way that they have, they could contend to win this division. Like I said, I think any of these football teams, the New York Giants, the Cowboys, or the Washington football team can win this division. Now, things obviously have to go according to plan. Daniel Jones has to improve. The offensive line has to get better at pass blocking. I don't know how they're going to do that if they fucking kept the same thing going. You're not going to improve if the same people are back. Um, but regardless of the point, there's no more excuses for Daniel Jones. This is Dan. This is David Gettleman's last stand as Gen GM. He's spent all all the money in the world to make sure that Daniel Jones succeeds at quarterback. And if he does not succeed at quarterback, this is on Daniel Jones. Because if you look at these offensive pieces, there should be just absolutely no excuse. Now, let's go to the picks. Looking at their schedule here. Uh, They start the year off at home against Denver, which in my opinion is a W. At the football team, that's a loss. They play at home against the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to say that's a W. Then they go to at New Orleans. That's a loss. At Dallas, that's a loss. At home against the Washington uh, Los Angeles Rams, that's a loss. At home against Carolina, hmm, uh, that's a toss-up here. 
I'm gonna say that's a W just because I'm not a big fan of Darnold. At Kansas City, that's a loss. At home against Las Vegas, I think the Raiders beat them. So they go into their bye week 10, week 11 at Tampa Bay. So they'll have two weeks to prepare for the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. And they'll still lose. That's an L. Then they play at home against Philadelphia. That's a W. At Miami, that's a loss. At Los Angeles, Chargers cross-country trip, loss. At home against Dallas, mm, loss. At Philadelphia, W. At Chicago, in January, could be snow. You could see Justin Fields. I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears, so that's a loss. And then they cap off the season against the Redskins. I'm going to say that's a W. So let's count up the Ws, folks. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have them at seven and ten. Which, you know, I think if somebody told you, hey, the watch the the New York football giants are gonna finish seven and ten, I don't think anybody would disagree with you. My my predictions so far are in line with what Vegas is predicting. Now, if you delve deeper into the the schedule here, uh you know, that, that W I have against Carolina could easily be a loss. That W I have against the Vegas could easily be a loss. Um, I could see them potentially going into Miami and winning. Um, maybe. Um, could I could potentially see them going into Chicago and winning. Maybe. Probably not. So I think I'm pretty comfortable with this 7-10. and 10. I see a lot of wins that I could be see. I see a lot of wins that could be losses, but not a lot of losses that could be wins. So I'm pretty comfortable with this 7-10. and 10. It's all up to Daniel Jones. Giants fans, you might be picking another quarterback next year. Probably should have maybe traded up to get a quarterback this year or drafted somebody. But that's a conversation for another day. And last but not least, certainly last will be the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Boy, oh boy, this is a tale of a franchise that completely went in the shitter after just being uh, Super Bowl champs, what was it, three years ago? I remember watching the Super Bowl at home uh, in the hospital as my child was... Uh, uh, we, we thought our baby Matthew was going to be on the way. He didn't come. Came... Couple months later, but I want that was the first time ever I watched a fucking football game or a fucking Super Bowl in a hospital. Side tangent, but uh, the Eagles obviously are projected project, projected to finish last, plus five hundred. Um, they're the twenty seventh team with the highest odds to win the Super Bowl at plus seven thousand. Don't put pennies on that, folks. It's not gonna happen. Um, but what a dysfunctional organization. I think perhaps second only to the Detroit Lions in the NFC will they be, um, they, Detroit and, and, uh, and, um, Detroit and the Eagles will possibly be the worst teams in the NFL or at least in the NFC, um, if you guys haven't heard, maybe you've been living under a rock, but they fired their head coach, Doug Peterson. They no longer have Carson Wentz. Their owner, Jeffrey Lurie, seemed to go fucking crazy and wanted to get involved um, into matters. So much so to the point that he was hosting meetings with Doug Peterson on a weekly basis and pestering him and asking him questions as to why he made this decision and why he did this and why he did that. And granted, he's the owner. He's the one signing the checks. He's a billionaire. He has the right to ask those questions. But you hired a man who won a Super Bowl, by the way. This is a guy that won the Super Bowl. This isn't a guy that just, you know, they got off the street. No experience coaching in the NFL. They won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson deserved that respect. And Jeffrey Lurie did not did not give him that respect. And that's why they're in the position that they are in. Uh, meddling owners is never a good thing. You look at Jerry Jones. 
Look at how they've been in the last 25 years. Pathetic. You look at Jed York and what happened with all the leaking scenarios, why the 49ers were so terrible after Jim Harbaugh. Can be directly attributed to Jed York and his meddling ways. Daniel Snyder in Washington. Is there ever a wonder in the world why that team is always in a dysfunctional nature? It's because of the owner. I don't have to tell Raider fans about Al Davis in the last 10 years of his life. How he completely ruined that franchise. So much so that they're still struggling to recover today. Meddling owners are just... Uh, stay in your lane. Let the football people do football things. Stay in your lane. So they fired Doug Peterson. They got rid of Carson Wentz. And they hired this guy named Nick Sirianni. And apparently Nick Sirianni is a very nice guy. Football guy. Thought of well in NFL circles. But did you see his opening press conference? It looked, it was fucking weird. It reminded me, it gave me Adam Gase vibes from, from when he got hired as the Jets head coach. Um, it just looks like a guy that might not be ready for the, for the position. A guy that, um, not comfortable talking to the media. A guy that, um, might be pushed around by the owner. Um, that's obviously something Doug Peterson didn't want, which is why they amicably parted ways. Um... Jalen Hurts is the official quarterback, also an edict by the owner. He's the the owner wanted Jalen Hurts, which obviously got Carson Wentz in a in a hissy fit. Um, we'll get to Carson Wentz and his little hissy fit when we cover the AFC South. But if it wasn't for the Houston Texans and their absolutely awful offseason, I think this offseason by the Philadelphia Eagles was quite possibly, uh, you know, they're, they're hand in hand. Um, uh, Joe Flacco is now the backup to Jalen Hurts, which I don't think you could possibly find a better backup quarterback than Joe Flacco. You're talking about a guy that's not going to pressure Hurts for the position, a guy that's making five mil, a guy that won a Super Bowl, a guy that could possibly last around the NFL for the next five plus years, just gaining that starting uh, backup quarterback money. Um, it's a guy that won a Super Bowl MVP. Um, and I think the main point here is that Flacco is not going to be pressuring Hertz. This is Hertz's position. Um, so what the Eagles did this offseason, they obviously traded Carson Wentz. Uh, for a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional first-round pick from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think it was a good move for both sides. You can't have a quarterback in the room that's not at the talent level of, like, say, a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson um, that is causing waves. You just can't have that. Um, It's clear you saw some guys uh, make comments late off in the off season, late last season, uh, some cryptic tweets on Twitter that it seemed like people were not happy with Carson Wentz. Um, some of those people now are actually gone from the Eagles I'm talking about you, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, but, uh, one thing of note here, they wanted to get rid of Carson Wentz so bad, so bad that they are paying thir- nearly $34 million of a cap hit. Um, that's the biggest dead money hit in NFL history by a country fucking mile. Wentz's dead money will take up 19% of the Eagles cap. Think about that. That's nearly 20% of the Eagles cap space this year is being taken up by a guy that's playing football for another team. How insane is that? Um, even further, they got rid of some of these other guys. They got rid of injury-prone players like Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, and Jason Peters. All gone. Um, but obviously I just discussed that Carson Wentz's 19% of his cap is being paid by the Eagles this year, which is affecting their cap. An additional 6% of their cap space is playing for other teams. So... Pretty much 25% of the Eagles' cap space is playing for other teams. I don't know how that general manager and Howie Roseman is keeping his fucking job. If 25% of your money is playing for other teams, you're not doing 
a good enough job evaluating players, making good enough contracts. That's terrible. That's abysmal. In fact, I'm surprised Howie Roseman is still there. Uh, I know he was part of the football. He was part of the team that won the Super Bowl. He, their drafts uh, leading up to that Super Bowl were fantastic. But their drafts as of late have been absolutely abysmal, which is why they're in the place that they're in. They they overspent on players that were constantly injured, and and uh, now they're playing for other teams. Um, their OC is Shane Steichen. Probably got that wrong. Who led the offense for Herbert in 2020. So that's a very big positive. You want that guy to be signal calling for Jalen Hurts. Um this year for the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be a complete rebuild year. It's about getting rid of the past and moving on to the future. They're nowhere near a playoff team. The rebuilding begins now behind a meddling owner and a head coach that seems like he's not ready for prime time. Um, I mean, they still have some pieces there. Miles Sanders is still there. Boston Scott's still there, so that's a good running back tandem. They drafted Devonta Smith which they traded up for with the Cowboys at number 10. They still have Jalen Rager, their first-round pick. If he can come around, that and then they still have Dallas Goddard. I'm not counting on Zach Ertz here because I think Zach Ertz will be one of those casualties that will be playing for another team, another bad contract by Howie Roseman. Um, so that's a pretty decent starting, you know, Rager, Smith, Goddard. Those are three pretty good pieces to be passing the football to. And then you obviously have Miles Sanders as well in the backfield. And then you still have Boston Scott. So they're not going to be terrible on offense. Um, they also signed Ryan Kerrigan at D- defensive end. Um, he was an all-time sack leader with the football team. A little bit on the older side. They're probably going to get him on you know, the, the back half of his career. Um, but yeah, I mean... The entire story of the Philadelphia Eagles is their offseason and uh, how such of a mess this owner uh, made of this situation. They could have kept Doug Peterson. They could have maybe got rid of Carson Wentz. uh, But I think the owner saw what happened with Chip Kelly and how Chip Kelly and his philosophy completely fucked the organization for a few years. And he didn't want it to happen again. Um, Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But like I said, meddling owners are never a good thing. Um, Absentee owners sometimes are not a good thing either. But for sure, meddling owners are never a good good thing. Micromanagers. We've all been in that position where you have a micromanager, micromanagement manager. And it's not a good feeling. And... It doesn't seem like it was a good feeling for Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz last year in that in, in that whole situation. And uh looks like they're going to rebuild, and, and I think it's going to be a long rebuild. I, I'm not quite sure that Jalen Hurts is the answer. I don't think even the Eagles think he's the answer. But they have supported him. They got a, him a good OC. They have some offensive pieces. We'll see where this goes. Um, and uh, let's go through their schedule. We're almost done here with this podcast. Uh, They start off the season at Atlanta. I'm going to say that's a loss. Then they go. um, They play at home against San Francisco. That's a loss. At Dallas, that's a loss. At home against Kansas City, that's a loss. Um, At Carolina, that's a loss. At home against Tampa Bay, that's a loss. At... Vegas, that's a loss. That is, folks, seven straight. They'll be 0-7 according to my permutations. Then they go to at Detroit. I'm going to give them a bone here on Halloween because I think Detroit's going to be worse off than them. That's a W. Um, At home against the Los Angeles Chargers. I'll give them a bone. I'll say a W just because Chargers traveling to a raucous Philly crowd. Uh, rookie quarterback, never played in front of Philly before. We shall see. I'm, I mean, I'll just put it as a w, uh, w for the Eagles. At Denver, loss. Uh, at home against uh, New Orleans, loss. At New York, football, Giants, 
loss at New York Jets. I'm going to say that's a W. They have a very late bye week at week 14. They go uh, at home against Washington. Loss at home against the uh, football team. The uh, Not the football team. The Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. I'm going to give them a bone. I'm going to say W there at Washington. Loss and then they cap off their season against... The Cowboys at home in a loss. Not very many wins on this schedule. And I think I kind of went on a limb and gave them a couple wins. But as if I'm counting here, I got one, two, three, four wins. Uh, that's what? Four and 13? Four and 13? Four and 13 sounds a lot worse than four and 12. I'll tell you that. Um, now, if I do a little bit of a deeper dive here. There's, I don't see them beating San Francisco. I could potentially see them pulling an upset at Atlanta, but the fact that it's down in the dirty south, I don't know. At Dallas, absolutely not. Um, I could see a scenario where they potentially could win at Carolina, but I just don't think so. Um, at Jets, I got them as a W. I could even see that potentially being a loss. Uh, at home against the New York football Giants, I could even see that being a loss. Um, I don't. Similarly to the New York Giants, I don't see a lot of wins here that I could. I could. I could actually see a lot of the wins here that I have for them being losses. But I can't really see a lot of the losses here being wins unless something drastic happens. So I think I'm pretty comfortable with the Eagles at this four and thirteen. Maybe they have a surprise five six wins, but no more than that. I think they're gonna be. Like I said, a very terrible football team this year. And uh, you can blame Jeffrey Lurie for that. You can blame the owner for that. So, at Eagles fans, at Jeffrey Lurie, don't at the angry degenerate. Uh, This is just my my opinion. Um, And we're almost done here with this podcast today. I'm going to go into my gambling picks of the week. Obviously, now I'm 3-1. That's my overall record. Um, I got two picks for you this week. Uh, They're both Saturday uh, events. I'm going to have this podcast up hopefully by Friday evening. Um, I got a UFC matchup here. I got two big guys, two heavyweights, two strong motherfuckers. Jarzinho Rosenstruck against Sakai, the Brasileiro. Um, They're two big boys with a lot of power. Rosenstruck just got off a a terrible unanimous decision loss where he barely threw any punches. He just didn't look like the masher that we were um, expecting in that matchup against, I believe it was Derek Lewis. Um, His other loss only was a knockout loss to the current uh, champion, the current heavyweight uh, champion. And then... uh, um, yeah, and then Sakai, uh, he had a terrible loss his last time out, and then his couple of previous wins were kind of decisions, but they weren't unanimous. They could have gone either, either way. Suffice to say, I haven't been pretty impressed by him. Um, uh, Jarzinho, I got Jarzinho by KO at plus 120. KO or TKO, plus 120. That's my official pick. Um, another pick you could just do is uh, minus 122, just straight up uh, Jarzinho wins. Uh, I like my value at the knockout, um, just because I think uh, Sakai's going to walk into one. So for those that don't know, if I put 100 bucks on plus 120, that means I win 120 bucks and I get my money back. Uh, my other pick here is going to the NBA, NBA playoffs, game one. I got the N- Brooklyn Nets. I was going to say New Jersey Nets. Brooklyn Nets at minus four. Um, minus four at 110, minus one, 110 odds. Um, I got no backing for that. I just see that a lot of money is on, uh, a lot of sharp money is on, uh, the New York Nets. Fuck, I said it again. New Jersey Nets. Fuck, I said it again. I meant Brooklyn Nets. You see, if even I can't get it correct, that means that team ain't shit in New York. Granted, the Knicks also ain't shit as a fo- as a basketball team, but at least they got a fan base. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you look at Kevin Durant, you look at James Harden, you look at that Br- Blake Griffin, 
they're just fucking talented. Obviously, the Bucks are talented as well. They're playing at home. Both teams played three times this season. Uh, the Nets went two and one. All games were decided by under six points. Just got a gut feeling. Going Nets minus four. Well, thank you folks for tuning in. Uh, this is episode three covering the NFC East. Uh, and uh, please follow me on IG at the Angry Degenerate. I post constantly. Also fi- uh, find me at uh, the Angry Degenerate on TikTok, where I also troll the fuck out of Laker fans and troll the fuck out of fan bases, and I get a lot of hate mail because of it. Um, but thanks again, once again, folks, for tuning in. I'll have this up hopefully by Friday. And to the next time. Ha!